You're listening to the Heart of Giving podcast with Art Taylor, powered by BBBgive.org. Here we explore the motivations that form the basis of giving and service. We inspire generosity and celebrate the transformative effects that giving and service have on the human spirit and on community. The conversations featured on the podcast also uncover giving strategies that educate and provide tools to help listeners make impactful gifts of both their time and money. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Heart of Giving podcast, powered by BBBgive.org. Give.org is the nation's standards-based charity evaluator, and it's your one-stop source for information on giving and reports on the most asked about charities. I'm Art Taylor. Today we're going to record the second of two episodes with my dear friend Bob Johansson, who has recently written a new book called Office Shock. And yes, office shock. As you can imagine, offices have been shocked as a result of people working from home, working at uh, remote locations, especially since COVID. We've learned a lot about our ability to work at a distance. And what Bob has done with his co-authors was really to give us some ways to think about what we do now now that we're past, mostly past COVID, and how we should think about the work environment, how we should think about getting things done and relating to each other as co-workers. And many of these tools and tips that Bob has in his book, this new way of thinking, almost offers a whole new worldview about how we should think about working together. In our first episode, we covered three of seven major considerations, or what Bob calls spectrums for consideration in his book. Today, we're going to cover the last four. Bob, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Art. Great to be here. And I've got uh, two important co-authors that wrote this book with me. Uh, Christine Bullen, who some of you met in the first episode, is an information systems professor. And that whole importance of information technology and digital media is so critical to what's now becoming possible in the kind of beyond office shock world. Uh, Joseph Press is our other co-author who is an, an architect by training, and that history of how you design space is really so important. So the, the three of us work together, and I'm going to be summarizing what we've learned. So, Bob... In the first, and I'm, I'm looking at the book here, in the first episode, we covered purpose, outcomes, climate impacts. And in this episode, I want to cover belonging, augmentation, place and time, and agility. And what I'd like you to do, give us just a recap of the first one, but I want to refer people back for more details. And then we can get into the last four. Sure. So we wrote this book during COVID. We were impressed by the amazing things that were underway during COVID, you know, most of them negative, but there were also some positive things. It turned out that many office workers were very productive 
without offices. <laughs> so the question became, well, what is the purpose of the office after all? And now as we move through the, the COVID crisis and it's beginning to wane, it's not over, but it's beginning to wane now, some executives are saying, well, when do we go back to the office and how do we get back to normal? And we're saying, well, it's a good question. When do you go back to the office? But the first question you should ask is why an office at all? So we talked last episode about what's the purpose of the office. And there are some good reasons to meet in person, things like orientation, trust building, renewal, early stage creativity, culture building, particularly for young people. So there are reasons to have an office. There are reasons to be there. But it should be a question asked, not an assumption made. And we began last episode by talking about purpose, and that's really your intent, uh, both individually and as an organization. Then we ask, and, and these spectrums of choice, they're in order. You should start with why an office at all. Then you go to what are the outcomes you're seeking, and that's essentially the results. So purpose is about intent. Outcomes is about results. And the most important result over the next decade the most important results are going to link to climate because we're in a period now over the next decade where net zero is not enough, government's not doing enough, companies are beginning to step up, but we're going to have to do more. And it's going to have to be not only net zero, it's going to have to be regenerative in some sense of the world. And offices have not been very good. They don't have a very good track record in terms of climate. But virtual working and what we're calling the office verse, that's hopeful. Uh, there are hopeful ways of both being productive and reducing climate impacts. So great. So let's get into the last four. And the, it starts with belonging. Number four, I believe, is belonging. And it says here that the spectrum is different versus familiar. Right. Tell us about that. Yeah, so this is the question of with whom? With whom do you want to office? And if you imagine the traditional office, imagine the old-fashioned office, you go into the office and everybody looks alike. <laughs> you know, they talk alike, they dress alike. So the traditional, the old-fashioned office is biased toward familiarity. And familiarity is not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, it, it does help to be more familiar, to be more comfortable. But if you look future back, and our book is all about looking future back. So we're focused not on 2023, we're focused on 2033. And then thinking back, it's going to be a much more diverse world. And that's not an option. That's not a possibility. That's a fact. It's going to be more diverse. So the spectrum of choice here is from offices and officing, which is the way we work, officing that is oriented towards familiarity, toward that which is designed, designed for diversity. And it's intentional diversity. It's looking at the positives of diversity for innovation, for imagining things that weren't possible before. So the spectrum of belonging is all about how do you create a climate of belonging, a climate of inclusion, a climate that's more equitable, more fair in a world that's increasingly distributed. Fantastic. So if we go to the next one is augmentation <laughs> and the spectrum on augmentation is technology at one end and human at the other end. So we're, 
we're now trying to, I guess, figure out what the right balance is between technology and the human. Exactly. And again, if you think future back, 10 years from now, we're all going to be cyborgs. <laughs> we're all going to be augmented in some way. So it's not only a question of with whom do you want to office. It's a question of how you want to be augmented in that office. And, you know, one of our big lessons as futurists is if you get your language right, it draws you toward the future. If you get your language wrong, you fight you fight the future. The worst term for an emerging technology that I've ever studied in my career is artificial intelligence. <laughs> it was just a bad word. <laughs> now, it was a, cho a term chosen more than 65 years ago at the famous Dartmouth conference. And I'm told, I wasn't there, I'm told that there was a debate about whether to call it artificial intelligence or augmented intelligence. They made the wrong choice. <laughs> they went for artificial. And they introduced this notion, this notion that's kind of true, but very misleading, this notion that computers will replace people. Now, that will happen in limited ways. But the big story is not computers replacing people. It's computers augmenting people. So Tom Malone at MIT, he writes about what he calls the superminds. And what he says is the big story isn't the automation of humans by computers, although, again, it happens. The big story is humans and computers doing things that have never been done before, never been done before. So not only are we officing with more different kinds of people, we're augmenting our intelligence, we're augmenting our interactions with others to create organizations that are empowered and people that are enabled in ways that have never been possible before. Now, I'm not saying there aren't downsides. There are real downsides associated with this increased augmentation, and we talk about those a lot. But in general, this is more of an opportunity than it is a threat. But it's a really big deal because over the next decade, Artificial intelligence, augmented intelligence, machine learning, those are all going to get practical in ways that are, are truly exciting. Yeah, well, we're seeing a lot of that now. I'm so fascinated by, we are. by what I'm seeing with the ability of technology to take an idea and create actual paragraphs and thoughts written down to consume. That's kind of amazing to me, and that's probably just the beginning. Yeah, it truly is. You know, November 30th, chat GPT was introduced. We had already finished writing the book, but we actually used an earlier version of it to write that chapter. <laughs> so we used GPT-3, and we used it to expand our thinking about augmentation. And we even had it write a poem for us at the end of the chapter because future back, I, you know, I write books. This is my 13th book. If I'm going to be writing books 10 years from now, I'm going to have to be augmented. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're all going to have to be augmented. So we wanted to use some of the latest tools for writing in creating that chapter. So you'll get a good sense of GPT-3 and now chat GPT is beyond, beyond that. So then we move to place and time and the spectrum. And I want you to talk again, again about what we're talking mean with these spectrums. But the spectrum at one end is office verse. And at the other end is buildings. Now, 
I want you to define office verse, of course, but also give us a better sense. Maybe we can wait till the end to tell us what these spectrums actually mean and why you chose that visual to help us appreciate what we're dealing with here. Sure, sure. The the visual is like a music mixing board. And we used it because we're in effect trying to create music together. We're trying to harmonize. We're trying to blend things together. It's not a binary choice for any of these spectrums of choice. It's a sliding scale, again, like a music mixing board. And if you're thinking about the question of the office verse, that's kind of at one end of the scale. And you might think of that as a kind of archipelago, an archipelago, kind of a cluster of interesting places and spaces that you can bring together to create the future environment for work. So buildings will still be important. They're not going to go away, but we're going to rethink why, rethink the purpose, rethink the outcomes, and then say, where are you in that spectrum? And the idea of full-spectrum thinking, that was my previous book, and some of your listeners know that book. That's basically thinking about the future across gradients of possibility while avoiding the temptations of simple categorization or simple labeling or simple certainty. You want to be clear, but you can't be certain. And this sliding scale helps you develop your own clarity. So office buildings will still be important. I think there will be fewer of them, but they'll be designed in different ways. They'll be designed to support orientation, trust building, renewal, culture building, and many of today's offices or yesterday's offices, they weren't designed for that at all. So the worst thing you can have is if people, you know, drive a couple hours to commute and they get to the office building and they close the door and have a Zoom conference. You know, that's that's the worst outcome. And the final one here, Bob, is agility versus and in the in the, the the spectrum, by the way, for this one is shape shifting versus stable so agility is the is the choice and the spectrum elements are shape-shifting at one end and stable at the other end now you've talked a lot in previous books about agility being one of the forces to fight against the VUCA world right agility is one of the key areas that we have to build into our tool set And you've also talked about shape-shifting organizations that don't have essentially a center and they, they tend to flow into and out of the opportunities, taking different nodes and talents as they need them. And then they disappear when they don't, when they're not needed. And you've talked about the, the importance of being stable as something that we shouldn't really focus on as much. So I'm really fascinated to see here how you use this in the context of an office first. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm not against stability. Stability is wonderful. I just want it to be flexible stability. So in other words, you want to have a grounding, but you want to be flexible. So if you think about traditional org charts, you know, there are a bunch of boxes uh, stacked in a hierarchical way. The org chart of the future is going to look more like a fishnet lying on a dock. And you pick up a node on the net and a temporary hierarchy forms You put down that node, you pick up another one, another temporary hierarchy forms. So the organization is designed so you're continuously reevaluating who's in the best position to make which decision 
at what time. We call it flexive intent. The military calls it commander's intent, where you're very clear about direction, but very flexible about execution. And you've got a lot of flexibility within that envelope of clarity. So stable organizational structures are great in stable times. They aren't so good in the VUCA world, in the world that's volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. There you need the flex, but you still need the clarity, and you do need grounding. You need grounding in the face of the VUCA world to, to be clear about your purpose, to be grounded in your intent, uh, but then to be flexible in terms of responding. So if you think future back, we're going to have this flexible office verse. It's kind of the metaverse applied to office work. This flexible office verse, this archipelago of possibility, archipelago of spaces and places. So this is terrific. Now, Bob, what I'd like you to do is tell all of us, and particularly those of us in the social good space, how we apply this to our lives today. I mean, everything that you're referring to isn't yet here with us. But as organizations focused on looking back from 10 years to find out what we should be doing today, how can we use the book to help us think about our strategic planning today? That's one thing. And I also wanted to just mention that this work is being supported, your work is being supported by a nonprofit organization. The Institute for the Future is an organization that have had the opportunity to connect with over the years because of you and Marina Gorbis, who leads it, and many others, and have come across a number of friends now from that organization. And while much of the focus of your work tends to be on helping larger institutions like major businesses and corporations think through the future, there's a lot of applicability here for nonprofit organizations, which is why I have you on. And so I want our organizations to remember that all of this applies to you as organizational leaders. And you also have to begin thinking about, and I know you are thinking about how to deploy your teams, what the purpose of an office is and how it how it plays into you actually accomplishing your objectives. And so, Bob, what I'd like you to do here is just tell us in your thoughts how you might have us apply this to organizations that are focused on achieving social good. Yeah, it's a great question. And it's very relevant to you all. And, and in a real sense, you have an advantage because in the nonprofit world, you understand your purpose. <laughs> your purpose is kind of front and center for you all. For many of our corporate clients, it's not as obvious. Purpose-driven people have an advantage in this world. Purpose-driven companies have an advantage in this world because you have that base of clarity, which is the important beginning. What you need to do is figure out how to think future back in addition to present forward. And nonprofits, the downside of it is, nonprofits are often stuck in the now. You know, they're stuck in the now, the noisy now, <laughs> the now of finding funding, the now of just keeping going, keeping your head above the water. That noisy now is going to get 
worse in the VUCA world of the future. But if you can keep that clarity, which most of nonprofits I know have the clarity embedded in their purpose, and their purpose is pretty obvious to people who look at it, but you constantly need to refresh it. You constantly need to apply it. And what our book does is basically give you a framework for choice making. We're not telling you what to do. We're just saying, if you look 10 years ahead, there's this giant wave of change that started with office shock and is now playing out into the office verse, that big blended reality of possibility. And it's going to happen. It's a larger wave of change that's larger than all of us. But your challenge is to make smart choices. And we've given you those seven spectrums of choice, you know, purpose, outcome, climate, belonging, augmentation, place time, and finally, agility. We've given you these spectrums of choice to help you make those strategic choices. And then that foresight has to be translated into strategy. And strategy has to be present forward, but future back helps give you a context give you a futures context so you can make smarter choices in the present, smarter choices in that noisy now. So one last question for you, Bob, is how do leaders think about the office today? So we're all trying to make decisions now about should we renew our lease? Are we going to be a completely distributed workplace? Do we bring everyone back to the office? And you've said to me, for a variety of reasons, that that's not the first question you should be asking. What should some of the first questions be before we even get to that? Sure. So the first question is always purpose. You know, why an office at all? And there are very good reasons to meet in person. So you need to figure out what those reasons are. And then you ask the question about how do we best bring that to life. So in some cases, it may be having an office. I do think in general, we're going to have fewer physical offices, if you think 10 years ahead. But there will be some. But those offices are going to be designed to facilitate orientation, trust building, renewal, culture building. There'll be places to eat together, places to brainstorm together, places to play together. They're going to be designed for those purpose-enhancing, purpose-developing reasons. They're not going to be designed in the way that the old-fashioned office was designed. So there will be places. There'll be fewer of them, and they'll be more thoughtfully designed than many of today's offices. But it always has to start with purpose. It always has to start with purpose it then goes into outcomes. It then goes into with whom do you want to office? We've got an opportunity to augment. We do have more choices about where and when we work and how and even why we work. And, and ultimately, we're going to have to be really, really flexible, really, really agile in order to perform well in this, in this VUCA world. Well, Bob, thanks again for joining us on the Heart of Giving podcast I'm always just excited when I hear that you've written something new, and it's always good to catch up with you and learn. You teach me so much, my friend. It's just been a joy for me to have had this friendship with you these many years. 
Yeah, me too, Art. And I so admire what you're doing and your community, the Heart of Giving community, is doing such important work that I hope I hope we can be supportive. Well, to all of our listeners, thank you for tuning in. You can always find us on all major podcast platforms if this is the first time you're listening. And please remember to subscribe to the Heart of Giving podcast. Also, if you want to support us financially, that would be terrific. You can do that by going to our website, give.org, G-I-V-E dot O-R-G, and making a donation. And I can guarantee you we will put it to great use. Thanks for listening. You've just listened to the Heart of Giving podcast with Art Taylor. Be sure to tune in next time for a brand new episode. To listen to our other interviews, visit heartgiving.podbean.com. That's heartgiving.podbean.com. Subscribe to our show on major podcast platforms. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this podcast are the views and opinions of the guests, not those of the BBB Wise Giving Alliance or program affiliates. This podcast is for information and educational purposes only and is copyrighted with all rights reserved. This podcast is protected by Podbean's Terms of Service.